Hey guys, it's Rebecca. Welcome to the Fire and Fragrance podcast. This week, we're going to continue our series on the knowledge of God. And this week, I'll be sharing on Exodus 34, 6 and 7, how God is a God who wants to be known, how His glory is His goodness, and how Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's glory. We're so grateful that you've tuned in. Let's jump right in. Good evening, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. Um, I think if you are not able to find some seats, there might, are there still some seats up there? Okay. If you aren't able to find seats down here, there are seats upstairs. I just want to welcome anyone that's new, anyone that's joining us as a guest or joining us for the first time. You are so welcome. My name is um, Rebecca. Rebecca Hedger, I'm here um, on staff with Fire and Fragrance in Poch, um, which is amazing. And um, I have the incredible privilege of, of getting to share with you a little bit tonight. Um, those of you that have been with us, um, you'll know that we've been part of um, a series called um, Knowledge of God and Growing in the Knowledge of God, and we're going to continue that tonight. And... Um, I, I have actually, this is like one of my favorite topics. Honestly, I love growing in the knowledge of what God is like and who he is. Um, before I joined YWAM and before I moved here, um, I actually worked in children's ministry for about 10 years. So shout out to any other of you that love children, love ministry, love teaching. And um, this was actually my favorite thing to teach kids because they just, they were like, God is like, what? Oh my gosh. Like they just, they just wanted to know more. They were like sponges. They were like, oh my gosh, God is a shepherd. God is powerful. God is mighty. And this wasn't like, um, this wasn't like just, and this is like not like devaluing one thing to value another. Um, but this wasn't like simple things that we were going after. Like we were, we were like, going after, like, Jesus, you are our shepherd. What does that mean? How does that apply to our lives? You as an eight-year-old, how are you going to let Jesus lead you as a shepherd? Like, like this kind of depth of, like, letting it apply. Um, and so this topic is, like, is one of my favorites. It's, it's exploring the depths of who God is. Um, and he's eternal. So we're going to be doing this, as I told the DTS, for, like, forever. So... Um, welcome to like part one of like eternity, okay? <laughs> because you are, this is like we are going to scratch the surface of the surface of the surface of the surface of the knowledge of God in this, in this series. But for all of eternity, you are going to be able to behold Jesus. You're going to be able to hold the Father and the Spirit. And for eternity, you are going to continuously find that there are new things to learn about him that there are new things to love him for, that there are new ways to worship him because he is never ending. He is eternal. He is a God who just is infinite in his beauty and his majesty and his glory. So we have a big job when we do teachings like this because you're like, it's eternal. <laughs> like, Okay, let's like start, let's start it, but like it's eternal. So tonight I'm going to, um, share a little bit specifically um, on a passage in Exodus. 
And then for the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a really deep dive into each part of it. And um, we're going to focus mainly, 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 mainly on um, Exodus 34. And it's going to be verses 6 and 7. For some of you, this is going to be really, really familiar. So if you want to open it up, you can. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read it out loud for us. And it says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to like really dig into like what does it mean that God is gracious or compassionate? What does it mean that he's abounding in steadfast love or hesed? And we're going we're gonna to go deep, okay? So just get ready for the meat of that. But I want us to give us some context for the next couple of weeks of, of what's happening and pull out a few things to help us frame the next couple weeks. So some of you, again, might be familiar with this story. Um, and some of you, you're like, I've, I've never heard this before, and that's totally fine. So I'm going to explain um, what's happening, who's speaking, what, what's the context, where are we in the story of God right now. So the people of Israel were in Egypt. They were enslaved for 400 years. God raised up a deliverer. His name was Moses. He came to Pharaoh because God asked him to and said, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. He said no, a lot. <laughs> The Lord released plagues all over the people of Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, go. So they start walking towards the Red Sea. Pharaoh immediately changes his mind. He's going after them. The Red Sea parts. All the Pharaoh's enemies are destroyed. And now they're in the wilderness. And God is like, okay, I, I want to make you a people for myself, but I need to teach you how to be a people. I need to teach you how to no longer be slaves. I need you to learn how to be sons and daughters. I need you to know how to relate to me and not how to relate to like the gods of Egypt. Like I'm very, very different. And so what he does in Exodus 19 is he comes and he hovers over Mount Sinai as a cloud and he comes in his glory and he rests on a mountain. And in this encounter... He invites Moses to come up and speak to him, and Moses goes up and he doesn't die, which is a miracle. And what I love about this um, is that God is revealing that he wants to be near his people. He actually wants to have fellowship and friendship and intimacy, and he is, he is beginning to bridge that gap of what happened in the garden, where there was a separation He's like, oh, I want to be with my people. I want to be with my people. They don't know what I'm like yet, oh, but I'm really good, and I want to be with my people. So Moses begins to meet with this Yahweh face-to-face, -face, says that Moses met him like a friend, which is crazy. And, um, 
And Moses begins to have um, more and more times where he's going up the mountain. There's another time where God invites the elders of Israel to come up with Moses. There's about 70 of them and a few others. And they go up and they experience God as well. And then they eat and they drink with him. I don't know what that means other than they ate and they drank with him. They had, they had a meal with Yahweh. They had a meal with the living God. Okay. I'm like, what did they have? Like, what food did they have? That's what I want to know. What were they eating? <laughs> what was their conversation like? Did they even eat? I don't know. Like, I don't know what happened. But so not just Moses now has encountered the glory of God, but now 70 others with, with Aaron and a few other people, they have now encountered God. They have, they have met with him. They've had a meal with him. God is again revealing, I want to be with you. I want fellowship. I want communion. This is what we are actually made for. And so God also knows that he's very holy and that if the people of Israel um, just do whatever they want, um, they are going to fall into sin and they are going to continuously be separated from him. So he's like, oh, I need to be with my people. I'm going to give them this incredible thing called the Torah. I'm going to give them the first five books of this book. And I'm going to give them all of the ways that they can meet with me, that they can interact with me, that they can fellowship with me in a way where I can be with them, they can be with me, um, and that we can begin to have fellowship. Um, so Moses, as he's up in the mountain, he's getting um, the Ten Commandments. He's getting the law. Um, he's getting all of the instructions around the tabernacle of how he's going to soon come, not just on top of a mountain, but he's going to come and he's going to dwell on top of the Ark of the Covenant upon the mercy seat. He's coming even nearer into their midst, into their camp. And while he's there, Moses is getting all of these blueprints, all of these instructions. He's gone like about 40 days, okay? So like a little bit of time, like a little bit. And remember, there were 70 people plus on the mountain eating with God. 40 days later, God's like, Moses, we have a problem. The people that I want to fellowship with, the people that I want to be in close proximity with, the people that I'm, I'm actually giving you instructions on how you can dwell with me with, um, they've, they've done a really terrible thing. They've, they've disobeyed the first thing that I told them not to do, which is you shall make no other gods before me. We've got a big problem. They're worshiping another idol. Moses is like, what? Like, can you imagine Moses? He's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed and angry. <laughs> like, okay mostly angry he like definitely like he breaks the tablets like he's angry okay so he goes down the mountain and he sees that his own brother is the one that helped build this idol he's like Aaron are you kidding me quickly they turned away from the Lord quickly they turned and God is like Moses I'm sorry there's no other way but like, I'm going to have to destroy these people. But I'm going to save you and I'm going to make you a great nation, but I'm going to need to destroy these people. 
And Moses pleaded with the Lord. And he's like, oh God, would you, would you spare them? God, would you not destroy them? Would you not be like the gods of Egypt? Like, would you, would you basically have mercy? And God is like, Moses, I hear your cry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. I'm not going to destroy them. I'm not going to destroy the people that I've actually made to be in fellowship with me. But, he says, but I'm not going to go with you now. Instead of me and my presence going with you throughout the promised land, I'm just going to send an angel to be with you. And Moses, I love Moses. He is bold. He's seen a lot of things, so maybe he can be bold. But he is bold, and he's like, God, not good enough. If you do not go with us, then we don't want to go. We don't want an angel. I don't care if we have the promised land. I don't care if all of our enemies are subdued around us. I don't care if you give us every promise that has been written about us. It does not matter if you are not with us. We are not going if you're not going with us. And I can hear like, and feel God being like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted you to say. <laughs> like, you pulled out something in my heart. This is the longing. Like, I actually do want to be with you. I do want to dwell with you. I, I needed someone to ask because I wanted to respond, yes, this is what I want too. So God's like, okay, Moses, I hear you. I agree. I am going to go with you. And so Moses is like, well, while I'm asking, let me even be more bold. God, will you just show me your glory? Like, I know I've asked you a crazy thing to not destroy us and to actually go with us as a rebellious people but can I also see what you're really like? Can you show me your glory? And that's actually where I want to start because then we see that God does show him his glory. But I want us to talk about what Moses is pulling at out of God's heart here. Because at this point, Moses has seen God's glory. Okay, if you think about his life, he saw the glory of God in a burning bush. Okay, he saw all the 10 plagues of Egypt. He saw some crazy things. Okay, he saw the Red Sea part, like he put the staff in the water, parted, all of his enemies defeated, okay, he has seen God come as glory on top of a mountain, and he has had a meal with him. Moses has actually seen a lot of God's glory at this point, so what is he asking? What is he actually asking here? Is he saying, God, show me more of your power? Is that what he's asking? God, show me more of your might and your strength. I want to submit, I think that this is actually a relational question, not a power question. I think he's seen a lot of God's power. And he's like, God, I want to see your glory in what you are like in who you are. Who are you? Show me your glory in like in a relational way. Like show me what you're like as a friend. Show me who you are apart from just your power. What, who are you? What are you like? And I think it's because Moses 
has already shown us he wanted more from God than just the, what God could do for him. He wanted to know a God um, that he could know. He, he could have had the promise land. He could have had all the promises. He could have had everything that he wanted. He's like, God, I don't want you just for what you can do for us and how you can provide. I want you. I actually want Yahweh. I don't want just what you can give me. I want friendship and fellowship, communion, because this is actually what God wants, and I want that too. I've seen you. I've beheld you. I know glimpses of you, so would you show me more of what you are like? And so, the second thing we see is, isn't it crazy? Okay, guys, I know, I think Gabe talked about this like a couple weeks ago, and I had, was literally having the same thought earlier this day, and I was like, yes, I'm in the spirit. But um, language is a really funny thing, isn't it? Like, Gabe was talking about this. Like, I move air through my vocal cords, and somehow you understand it, and there's meaning behind it. Like, it's crazy. Language is crazy. And that there are so many different languages represented in this room, and every sound has meaning to it. But it, it means different things based on who you are and the language that you have. Language is wild. And God, God is is so incredibly awesome and powerful. Like, he is, no, nothing can contain him. He's higher than the highest heavens. And yet, he lets himself be bound by even language. He lets himself be known through our human words. He lets himself be defined in a way that we could comprehend, which is just amazing. And maybe God speaks in the Trinity. Maybe there's something glorious in the language that they speak that as image bearers we have. But I, I, I just love the humility of God that he would come and that he would speak in like in a native tongue to a people that they could understand and know him. It's wild. And what I love is that it's revealing that God wants to be known. God longs to reveal himself to us. God, God is knowable. And it's a tension because God is like this infinite, crazy, incomprehensible being. Like he is infinite. He is eternal. He, like, we forever will still be exploring the depths of what he is like. So that's that side of him. And at the same time, he's like, oh, but I'm mercy. Come know me in this way. I'm incomprehensible, but come know me. I want to show something about myself to you. And I feel like in this, God is saying, oh, I, I want to show you that I want to be known. Um, that I, um, that I'm, I'm a God who self-discloses myself. I'm a God who chooses to reveal myself. That I don't want to live at a distance. I don't want to be a God that you have to kind of figure out and puzzle piece together and hope that you're, you're encountering or meeting me or making the right sacrifice. I want to be known. And it's because he wants fellowship with us. That is what we were made for. We were made for fellowship. We were made for communion. We are his image bearers. And he's like, oh, I want to make myself known to the people that I've made to be in fellowship with, with me. And right here in the moment of like God, God 
really could have given them like all of his wrath. Like they, they messed up big here, okay? They messed up real big. Um, what I didn't mention is that like they made a covenant with God. They were like, yep, we're all in. Yep, we're going to follow your law. Yep, we love you. Yes, 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 yes. Immediately, just kidding, we want to worship a golden calf. <laughs> like They immediately broke a covenant, which is a big deal. Um, they're not just breaking a covenant and just like, sorry, God, we don't like you. Like, we actually, we're going to worship this other thing. Um, and it's not even just that the people are doing it, his own brothers, like Moses' brothers doing it. So the man who's meant to be the priest is also the one instituting, like, idol worship. Like, it's bad. Things are just bad. And the moment where they deserve wrath and they deserve everything actually that they have chosen... They actually deserve for God to not go with them. God's like, oh, but I hear Moses' prayer, and I'm going to give him mercy. Like, he's like, I want to show you what I'm like. I am a God of wrath. I am a God of justice. Oh, but I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God who is long-suffering and patient and at this point, they've only ever seen really the gods of Egypt. They might have encountered some gods in the midst of Canaan. And all of these gods were angry and vengeful, and you never knew what you were going to get. And he's like, oh, I want to show you that I'm nothing like them. I'm going to reveal that I'm, I'm nothing like them. I'm actually a god of mercy. I'm a god of, of um, compassion. And I'm slow to anger. And at the same time, we get the end of this verse, out of, out of verse 7, he says, but he's also not going to clear the guilty. He is going to visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children. So he's like, I'm not a pushover either. I'm not just going to give you mercy without real consequences. I'm not just going to be long-suffering and compassionate without still being who I am, which is a God of justice. But for those that will repent, those that will turn their hearts to me, those that choose me, oh, you're going to see my mercy in a way you will have, would have never imagined. But those who are going to continue to walk in this way, who are unrepentant, who don't want to turn, who want to walk their own way, do their own thing, oh, you're going to probably experience the other part of who I am because I have to be true to who I am, that I can't let um, injustice and sin and um, pride and selfishness come um, because that's actually not who I am, and that's not how this relationship works. So at the same time that he's very quite merciful, he's like, oh, but I'm going to still be just to those that will not come to me. So Moses says, show me your glory. We see a God who's like, oh, I want to reveal myself to them. I want to show them what I'm really like. I am knowable. And then he comes and earlier, it says, when Moses has his bold, bold ask, and he's like, please show me your glory. I'm always like, what tone of voice did Moses do it? Like, is he like, please? Is he like, please? Like, what is the, like, I always am thinking, what's the tone of voice? What's the scene? Like, get, immerse yourself in the word. Like, what did it smell like? Like, was there a breeze on his face? Like, 
what were his clothes like? Like imagine, like imagine you're in the scene. What is, is Moses' heart beating like crazy out of his chest asking this question? Like put yourself in the story. And immediately God says to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And you should be saying, interesting. God said, show me your glory. And he said, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. Is that a typo? Like, what's happening here? Okay? No, it's not. Because I think, I think, that Jesus, not Jesus, God, the Father, Jesus is coming. He's not there yet. He's there, but not in the flesh yet. I think that when God says, I want to let my goodness pass before you, it's because his glory is his goodness. His glory is not just his power. His glory is, oh, I'm good, and you have no idea how good I am. My glory is in that I'm the kindest man you will ever know. My glory is that I am the most merciful. I am the most patient. I am the most compassionate. I am the one who who has love that has like 500 definitions of what that means. Like my my glory is actually in my goodness. I'm going to let all of my goodness pass before you, which is amazing. And, um, And what's even more amazing is that for the rest of Scripture... God is going to constantly reveal his glory and his goodness all throughout like the Old Testament with the Israelites. He's going to reveal it in the New Testament. He is constantly putting his glory on display by revealing his goodness, his, his, his merciful nature, his kindness, also his justice, also his um the fact that he's a healer, that he restores. There's so many other parts of that goodness. And, um, and again, I think it's because he's like, oh, guys, the point of this whole book is that we are made for fellowship with him. That God has done everything from the beginning to end to reveal, I want to be with you where you are. And I want you to be with me where I am. And I'm going to go to every length to show you that I'm, I'm serious about it. I'm going to be so merciful. I'm going to be so patient. I'm going to be so kind. I'm not going to give you what you deserve for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm going to be so long-suffering with you even as a people, Israel. I'm going to be so merciful that eventually he's going to send his son. He's going to be so long-suffering and so patient. He's like, okay, we want them to be with us where we are. Like, son, it's time. It's time. I want you to reveal my mercy and my goodness, my kindness, my long-suffering, patient heart And I want you to take on flesh and I want you to become a man. And I want you to reveal the glory of who we are. 
I want you to reveal the nature of what God is really like in a human body. This is, again, I just say crazy because I don't know another good adjective. This is crazy. Like, in Exodus, we see the nature and the character of God. We see that he is a God who is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And we see him be true to that, to the point that he's like, I will send my own son in order to provide mercy that they could be with us where we are. I'm willing to even send my own son to be a sacrifice, to pay for the debt and to, and to, to bear the cross, to bear their shame, I will conquer death and hell. I will conquer the grave just because I want them to be with us where we are. Jesus, show them our glory. Show them our glory on the cross. Show them our glory in the power of the resurrection. Show them our glory when you ascend and now you're the high priest that makes intercession for us. Now, we don't just have the goodness of God passing by a man in a rock. Moses had to hide himself inside of a rock. He had to hide himself because it was going to be too great. He would have been destroyed. God had to even just show his back to him. And he's like, oh, this is, this is enough. Like, this is, this is glorious and beautiful. I've seen your goodness. I've seen your mercy. And now imagine his son comes. It says in John, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From the fullness we have, from his fullness we have all received, grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. So now we have the living God taking on flesh, revealing the glory of the Father, revealing um, what he's like, um, that he's been so patient and so kind. He's been so merciful. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, Now we who believe can have the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we behold Jesus' face, we see what God spoke in Exodus 34. When we behold Jesus' face, we see God's glory. We see what Moses saw, but now we get to see his face. And instead of hiding in a rock, we get to hide in the wounds of his son. We hide in the cleft of the rock, the rock of the ages. We hide ourselves in him, and we behold his face and his glory, and we see how good and merciful and kind, beautiful, amazing, glorious he is. His glory is in his goodness. His glory is his goodness. And if, I, if you hear anything tonight, I think what I want you to hear is that God 
did whatever it took to draw near. And part of the knowledge of God is knowing what he's like. And what he's like is he's a God who says, I, I really am merciful and gracious and I'm slow to anger. And I'm going to be patient for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And I'm going to reveal my patience and my glory when I send my son in a way that you could never imagine. And for all of eternity, we are going to, to do just what we did tonight in worship. We are going to behold the Lamb of God, the one who was slain. And we're going to see like, oh God, all glory is yours. All power is yours. Because you were true from beginning to end. You were true in your character and in your nature. And you revealed something about yourself that for all of eternity, we are going to behold the face of your son. Be like, you were right. What you showed Moses, you were right. Because you longed to dwell with us. That you longed to be with us. And that you would go at all lengths to make sure that we would have fellowship and friendship that there would be nothing that would separate us, that you would do whatever it takes to reveal your glory. And so I, I just want us to honestly um, just go back into worship. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up because the knowledge of God is knowing and experiencing his glory. But knowing and experiencing his glory isn't only just this mystical thing. When we say glory, it has a face. When we, see, when we say glory, it's mercy. It's compassion. It's patience. It's, it's, it's long-suffering. It's abundant love. It's hesed. And so when we even pray, sometimes I'm always afraid to say, show me your glory, because I'm like, what's going to happen? <laughs> like, like, what kind of glory is coming? Like, and sometimes we will feel the weightiness of his presence. And it's like, it's because he wants to be with you. He's coming because we've asked him to come. He said, we want you to come with us. But sometimes his glory is when you have a revelation that you don't have to carry shame anymore, that you've been forgiven. Sometimes his glory is when you behold the smile of Jesus, and you're like, wow, you really are the kindest man that I've ever known. Sometimes beholding the glory of Jesus is him coming and revealing a part of his character and nature that you have heard before, but you didn't know before. And it's, it's, it's meeting a living God who wants to reveal and show more of himself to you. So more than just me sharing and teaching and talking, I want you to meet with the Lord because he wants to meet with you. I want you to ask that bold question that Moses asked. God, show me your glory. And some of you might encounter his power. Some of you might encounter healing. Some of you might encounter a, a weighty glory that comes upon you. Some of you might encounter a healing in your heart that you've been contending for for 15 years. Some of you might encounter a revelation of God that is going to see you through the next season that you don't even know is coming. <laughs>